I was thinking about, I really kind of caught a surprise. We were sitting back there at the table during week of increase, and, and somebody said something about Keith being in Birmingham, and I didn't realize it was today, you know. I like a little more notice than that, you know. Our schedule stayed pretty busy. But uh, anyway, when I was thinking about what I should share with this morning, you know, Keith has been teaching on the glory. And uh, we are expecting the glory here at Faith Life Church. And uh, I have really, really enjoyed that series because it's been some things on his heart that he's had in his heart for a very long time. So I expect with him and I'm believing with him. And and like he has said before, if you're smart, you'll pray for your pastors on a regular basis because they're only going to be answering your questions. So uh, if they try to be led at all. So uh, this morning you guys can go because I I won't turn to a text as quickly as he does. Y'all may be standing there half the service. Don't they look good? They look so good, and they do so good. They're so faithful. I just love them. Well, I, so what, as I was thinking about what I needed to share this morning, you know, I'm the type of person that I want things that help me now, here, today, get me over the humps, give me the answers to what I'm dealing with, help me solve things that I've gone through. And, you know, Keith and I have actually been doing this for, I don't want to tell you how long, then you'll count up to how old I am. Anyway... <laughs> No, I'm very young. And uh, we've been doing this for over 20 years. And we are just thrilled. You know, people wonder oftentimes why I get so excited up here when I'm telling the testimonies and stuff. Because I know the word works. And I know when you hear a testimony, that means that, that people have learned how to work the word in their life. Because what happens so many times is you see people here in our daily lives and... They, you don't know it by looking at them because they make all the exact right confessions. Like they could be broke and they're saying the chunks are coming, you know. They could be broke and they say all my needs are met. And they're just saying all the right things and and making all their good confessions. But if you look past the surface of it sometimes, they're broke. And they're not getting any better. And they're hurting. And they're sick. So I want to know why that is. Because you hear them with your ears saying the right thing. Have you ever seen someone that has gone home to be with the Lord or just died or, you know, whatever the situation is. And you heard them for months and months and months and months saying the right thing before they died. Anybody ever been there? I've been there so many times. And you go away and you, and you wish you could just sit down in a chair across from God and say, God, why? You know, why? But we know the answers why. We just have to see them and understand them and do them. So, so many times as we go through life, people have heard about faith. And they've been around faith circles long enough that they've learned the exact right words to say. They've learned to say the faith confessions because they know they don't get around Dr. Fry and make a bad confession. He's liable to correct them. That's right. You see what I'm saying? They don't get around Kim and make a bad confession. She'll correct them. But when they go home, out of the abundance of the heart, their mouth is speaking continuously. Like, I always get the flu. I don't know what I'm going to do without my flu shot. But when they're around you, I'm never sick. They've learned the confession, and it's good to make the right confession. It, don't get me wrong. It's, it's wonderful to make the right confession. But there's things that have to go with those confessions. So this morning I want to talk about seven things to add to your faith. 
Seven things that you can add to your faith. And if I had a subtitle, it'd be, it would be um, How Not to Fall. Do you want to know how not to fall in this faith situations? Um, for those of you who don't have a Bible with you this morning, our ushers have one. And uh, if you'd like to look on with us at our text and scriptures this morning, we'd like to loan you one of our Bibles and you, you can look on with us because uh, the Word works all the time, but it helps you when you see it and put your own eyes upon it and see that it is actually in the Scripture. I've seen people, it's like, to me, it's kind of like marriages. Have you ever seen people, they're all the time, they're just cuddled up and they're just, oh, smoochy, smoochy and loving on each other and all this stuff, but don't go in their house and hide a camera. Because if you did, you'd find out real quickly that things weren't as they appeared. And I think it's that, that way people have learned the faith lingo, but they've not learned about faith. It's good to know the lingo, and it's good to say the right things and not say the wrong things. But what happens in people's lives so many times is they want to be where... I, we travel with Brother Hagen for so long. People want to be where Brother Hagen is now, here, today. People want to be where Brother Kenneth and Miss Gloria are now, here, today. But they don't see them 50 years ago, 60 years ago, when they were believing God to pay their light bills. So, but they want the, the same scale house, same scale car, same scale everything that they have now here today. And they, Brother Hagen, the Copelands, uh, different ones that you trust and you've learned faith from, have learned how to what I'm going to call today work faith. They've learned how to put faith to work in their lives. They've learned how to make it something that they live by on a daily basis. We've learned how to, to work faith and believe God. Today, it's easier for me to believe God for the money to pay off this building than it was for $30 to buy groceries with 17 years ago, 25 years ago. Because you learn how to work faith. And, and one of the reasons that people fall so readily is because they've learned the confessions and I think they've hurt themselves in that sometime because they've learned to say the right things and pray a lot of prayers and call themselves being in faith, but they're not in faith. They're in hope and they're in desire and they're in want and they're in impressing people. Into impressing people with their faith. I'd rather have the real thing of faith then try to impress anyone with faith. Amen. Let me give you an example of something that I'm talking about. Oh, I don't know. It's probably been 10 years ago. We had um, an employee that um, was believing for a car. They were believing that, I mean, they had an old car that would barely get them to work at the time. I mean, it was, it, it was I mean... I mean, it was going, but it was, it was miraculously because they probably believed God every day that it would go. And they were believing God to go from this car that was a junk and a wreck to a brand new car that cost thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 that they were just going to have the money just to go out and buy that car and pay cash for it and nothing in between there. 
And during that process of time, I, it, something kept bothering me about it. And I didn't quite know what it was. But let me tell you another story and then I'll get back to that one. When Keith and I, oh, let's see, it's probably been um, 25 years ago, 27 years ago. We first heard, close to 30 years ago, about the word and faith stuff. We first started hearing about God will supply all your needs. He'll give you your desires. He'll, he'll help you get through. He'll pay your bills. We started hearing about all this stuff. So we were as most people are at that time. It was a big thing at that time to say, your father will supply your needs. And it was a big thing that people were going around and, and uh, going to dealerships and things like that and saying, uh, uh, dealing with the salespeople kind of like, uh, did God deal with you to give me that car? I mean, that was a big thing back in those days. A lot of you may not remember it, but it was like that was their faith, trying to get the car dealer to give them a car because that's where their faith was, you know. Or they'd say something like, my father's going to pay for it. Just let me drive it home, you know. No wonder faith got a bad rap, you know. But anyway, we, like a lot of folk, started believing. We had, uh, at that time, I think we had a Vega and a 1969 Chevrolet pickup truck that you've heard all about, Trigger, that the gears stuck on the column. You know, that's what we had at the time. And we heard a tape by Miss Gloria about finances. You've heard the story of how we gave our first $5 in their offering that night. And this was back like in 1978 or something like that. And uh, we took the other $5 and went out to what we'd never seen before, a tape table, and bought Miss Gloria's tape with a little brown cover. We still have it on finances. And after listening to that tape and other tapes, we came to the brilliant conclusion that we were going to believe God, which is a wonderful conclusion. But we had only heard one tape. We'd only been in the Word maybe one month. And we were, this is what we were going to believe God for. Now, nobody raise your hand and say that you did this. I'm, I tell off on me. We were going to believe God that we were totally out of debt. I mean, we owed from everything from our washer and dryer to our TV to our 1969 Marriott mobile home with the uh, imitation black leather and crushed velvet red curtains and red carpet with no stove and oven. And um, we were going to believe God. We didn't, neither one of us had any clothes. Most of our clothes were just ragged, worn out. And uh, we were going to believe God for our clothes, our shoes, for our cars, for all of our bills to be paid, everything. I mean, we, we sat down and we wrote a list like we write now. See, we wrote a list, but we didn't know how to do a list then. We wrote a list that by a certain time, we were going to have a new car, uh, a new house, uh, new clothes. All of our bills were going to be paid. I think I even bought Keith a Christmas present, a box of tools from Sears that cost $99, and I paid for them for, what, 20 years or something like that? I didn't know I was so dumb. I was 17 years old. I didn't know that if I only pay the minimum payment on it, that I'm going to pay on it till Jesus comes <laughs> for a set of tools. I think we owed for that set of tools. He lost them all by the time we got them paid for. <laughs> but we were going to believe to pay off. I think the payments were like $3 a month or something like that. You know how it was, you know. And, uh, but we were going to believe for all these things to happen for us. I mean, because we'd heard, God supplies all your needs. He takes care of you. Okay? Give and it'll be given. 
So we put our faith out there and we started believing. And we believed and we believed and we believed. And then we forgot about it and we believed and we be- and then we forgot and then we believed. And there's a lot of stories that could be intermingled in this, but there's a point that I'm trying to get to with this. We believed for over eight to ten years. Eight, say it, eight to ten years for this car. But what was happening during that eight to ten years is the most significant thing that I can share with you this morning. What was happening from the time we started believing for that car back in 1978, 79, till the time we got it in 1987, 86, 87, I can't remember. What was happening during that time? Turn with me to a scripture. I better give you a scripture. And this is a pop, a pop quiz scripture. I want to see if you know it. It says something about exceeding growing faith and abounding love. Would anybody happen to have heard that before? Anybody? Don't look on the walls. Don't look on the walls. Y'all are cheating. I mean, y'all are cheating. Second Thessalonians 1. This is our Faith Life Church scripture. 2 Thessalonians 1, and I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. This is verse 3. We ought and indeed are obligated as those in debt to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, as is fitting, because your faith is what? Growing Growing exceedingly. And the love of every one of you, each towards the other, is increasing and abounds. So what was happening from that first time that we started believing for that car to where we got that car? Our faith was growing. Our faith was growing. But what happens so many times today with with people is... They start on something and they don't see it through. And so now they're convinced faith doesn't work. So they leave a church because that faith stuff just doesn't work. But what has to happen in people's lives, what happened in our life, say this was back in um, 1978 or 79. We were constantly... At that point in time, listening to tapes. We were every day, like Keith says, we, we had the little tape player going. We had a, the word going consecutively. I mean, every day, every day, every day. And constantly we're taking notes and we were listening to it. And during that time, the Lord dealt with us. Leave your family, leave your jobs, leave your friends, leave everything you know and pack up and go to Broken Arrow, to Bible school. Well, I didn't know it at the time, but I had no clue what faith was till I got out there. It's, uh, Rhema had, was not just a school where you learned the word. It was li- almost like the devil was going to convince you before you got out of there that faith did not work. I mean, there's so many stories of people that are in the ministry strong today that 
the devil threw everything possible at them in their short time that they were at Ramah. I mean, half the people, there very few fat, huge people go to Ramah. By the time they graduate, by the time they beat all those Ramah noodles, you know. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it, it's not just a... Um, a school that teaches on faith, it's, it's a school that we had learned things about faith because if you didn't learn, and I wouldn't take anything for it. I wouldn't take anything for the things that we learned about faith because if you've just had people constantly giving you things, then you've not had the opportunity to grow and have your faith to grow. But during that time, we were growing on a regular basis. We were hearing the word and we were growing. We were hearing the word and we were growing. If we had... Um, had, uh, I don't know how much that car cost. Somebody might could tell me. What would a Buick Riviera have costed back in 1986, you know? I don't know what it would have costed. Huh? A, a, a Buick Riviera in 86? I think it was more than that. I'm not sure what it was. Yeah. But um, I think it was uh, a lot more than that. <laughs> but um, anyways, whatever it was... It would have been all that we could do at that point in time to believe God for the payment on that thing, much less for someone to come and hand us the full amount to make, to buy the car. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it was all that we could do during that time. We had, I think, uh, an apartment in Shoot'em Up Alley that you, most of you've heard about. Shoot'em Up Alley, we called it Shoot'em Up Alley because one night, uh, on one side of us was a motorcycle gang, and on the other side of us was a school of metaphysics, and uh, down the street was a New Age massage parlor. And um, um, one day we came out to um, go to church one Sunday night, and um, we went out our front door, and the street was blockaded off. And there was a SWAT team on this side and a SWAT team on this side, and it says, Go back inside! Do not come out! Go back inside! We thought... What's going on? Well, what had happened was the little girl that lived across the street had got in with one of the motorcycle gang, and her daddy didn't want her with the motorcycle gang, so she pulled a gun on her daddy and shot her daddy. You know? I mean, this is, that's why we called it Shoot'em Up Alley. So, so that's what happened that day. So anyway, we went out the back door and went to church, and uh, we lived there. It was a fully furnished apartment. Um, it had a table with three legs that we took a stick and put the other leg under. It had a sofa that when you sat down, and you've sat on it before, there was no springs in it anymore. The whole bottom almost fell to the floor. Um, it had, um, a, it was what you would call a shotgun apartment. It had, you came in the front door and you went to the right to the kitchen. As you walked in, that was the living room and where Keith studied what was called his office area. And then uh, we'd put a rollaway bed in there if we had guests. And then you went in the next room and it was the bedroom. You just went through a door. And the next room was a bedroom. And then you went on back and it was uh, the bathroom and the closet. I mean, that was all it was to it, you know. And uh, it was, um, I think, $180 a month. And that was like... A million eight hundred thousand to me today. It was all we could do to believe for it and Keith's tuition and and food. It's like Keith said has said before. Uh, he fasted a lot of times, but it wasn't because he was trying to be spiritual. It was because we didn't have the money to eat. And so uh, we, in believing for that, don't forget about the car. In believing for that car, 
we kind of forgot about it during that time. You understand what I'm saying? It was kind of like, oh, this is a lot harder. We got to believe for our light bill. We got to believe for our rent. We got to believe for our tuition. And we kind of just pushed it aside for a while. But when we think about it, We'd say, thank you, Lord, for our new car. By that time, we had decided we wanted the Buick Riviera. It was the one with the, the touch screen that had first come out. And, you know, it was a real, real nice car. So we started believing God for um, the car back in, like I said, 78 or 79. But we didn't see a car. I mean, we, during that time, we went from our Vega to, uh, uh, this is a real good story, the Vega Keith's, I think it was his grandfather. Do y'all remember? I think it was Keith's grandfather that went home to be with the Lord. And Keith was in school and we left on a night time and it was freezing cold like in January or something like that. And it was freezing rain and, and we drove halfway home and my daddy is the uh, master of shortcuts because it saves him gas. So he's the master of shortcuts. See him? So he had told us about this shortcut that we could go through. And we went through this tiny, I mean, there was hardly any asphalt on the road. It was like they just put enough just to keep the mud. You know how they put a real thin, thin something. And uh, it was through this Delta road. And uh, we went through there. And about midways of this road that was out in the middle of nowhere, um, my nice little Vega blew up. So during that time, we were stranded. We're try- Keith's got to do a funeral the next morning. Here it is, 2 o'clock in the morning, and we're stranded. So um, I won't get into all the details of the story about how we had to walk into mud up to this deep. Most of you have heard the story. And we finally got to a phone and, and uh, finally got somebody that would help us and stuff. And Daddy came and got us with a wrecker and gave us his car. And him and my uncle brought the car in. Well, because of that, we had to get another car. You understand? That's where I'm getting at with this story. So my uncle had a car, and we got this great big Delta 88, and we made payments on it for a while. Huge car, because I was in a little Vega. So it was this huge car. So we made payments on that, and we grew, and we got another car, and we got another car, and we got another car. And all during that time, we're getting other cars. But every once in a while, we'll think about that Buick Riviera in the back of our mind. But we still don't have it. And we think, does faith work? Nobody's ever done that. <laughs> what happens so many times is people pretend to be in faith about something. They, faith is very, 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 very real. Faith is not something that is like a hocus pocus that you just take something and whoosh it around in a jar and then uh, out pops a rabbit or something, you know. It's not that way. Faith is, is, um, faith is an absolute. You can tell just as plain if you're in faith or not. Now somebody else can, may not be able to tell it, but you can tell if you're in faith about something or not. But what happens so many times is people have heard so much about faith that what they do is everything that they see, everything that they want, they start making confessions over. Because it's like faith works by confession. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? Faith does not work just by confession. Confession does help your faith. But faith does not just work by confession. People have gotten real mechanical with faith. And it's like if they say, um, thank you, Lord, for my new car 650 times today and they don't miss one of them, then they'll get their new car. Or they throw it out there and, uh, and uh, say they have a headache and they say, by Jesus stripes, I am healed. And five minutes later, they check their head and if the headache is still there, well, they go get some Tylenol. Don't get quiet. That was a bad place to get quiet. <laughs> They check themselves, and, and it's like if they see something in a store they want, they'll say, thank you, Lord, for this, or thank you, Lord, for that. And they throw out all these confessions and all these things that they're supposedly thinking that they're getting in faith. To me, faith is a serious thing. I know Brother Hagen used to tell about now, if there's ever anybody that knew how to teach on healing and could quote you every scripture in the Bible in regards to healing, it would have been Brother Hagen. But he tells the story, several different stories about when his kids would get sick and he'd be out on the road and they'd have something go wrong with them. What he would do is he would get his Bible out and he would read every scripture about healing again. And he'd build himself up on healing again before he ever prayed the prayer of faith. And he was healed and delivered from a deathbed himself. He knew healing worked. But he didn't just take faith like it was hocus pocus and maybe we'll throw it out there and maybe it'll do something. If not, we'll take her to the doctor. He purposed his faith. It had a purpose in it. He didn't just nonchalantly off the top of his head say, okay, Pat's healed uh, from this disease and she'll be okay. Uh, Aretha, Pat's healed. No, he took it very seriously. He was in meetings and he took the time and he sat down and he reread because she was a little girl. So it was his faith that was going to work in her life. He purposed his faith. And he said... These are the scriptures on healing, like some we read this morning. By Jesus' stripes we were healed. He took our infirmities. He bare our sicknesses. And then when he had his faith built up, he called mom and he said, let me talk to Pat. Tell Pat she's healed. She don't have to go to the doctor. She's healed. Well, did it work? Of course it worked. But what happens so much in today's society is parents don't do that. Our lives are so busy that um, your child gets sick or you get sick and you just say, by Jesus stripes I was healed and you run out the door and do what you're going to do and, and maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. And what happens is it doesn't work and that hurts your faith enormously. It hurts your faith terribly every time you have what I call a faith failure. Every time you don't see something through to the end. I don't have 326,552 things that I'm believing for right now. Because I take faith seriously. And if I'm believing for something, I know that my thought processes can only handle so many things at a time. And I've told Keith on numerous times, hey, sweetheart, take care of it. I'm going to take care of this side. You take care of that side. He'll say, what do you think about this? I'll say, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm believing to pay the light bill this month. You know, that's where I'm at. 
paying the light bill. I'm not thinking about a new car or a new boat or a new house or a new... I'm paying the light bill this month. And you got to know where you are. It's not, it's not something that you just, like I say, put in and pull something out. You don't, it's not a, a rabbit trick that you pull out of a hat. It's a purposed something that you do. And the way that you do it is so different than most people have begun to believe. Galatians says, faith works by... Galatians 5, 6, if you're taking notes. Faith works by love. Do you think that if you had the mechanics down right, you know, and you did all the things, if there was a 200-set encyclopedia volume about how to believe for a car, and you followed everything in that encyclopedia volume uh, mechanically, that you'd get the car? Absolutely not. Because faith requires relationship. God is a person. Just like you are a person or I am a person. Faith works by love. First off, we have to love God. Say, for instance, uh, Keith and I have just started dating. We really weren't dating even then. Uh, I told you this before. He don't like for me to tell it because it's, it's a secret. Him and some, some of his, um, what was it, FFA? Is that what it's called? FFA guys had to do a project for school. And so about three or four of them came over there one night to the house. And um, they said, uh, we need a woman's idea on this, you know. That was his in the door, you know, to come over and see me. And so that's kind of how we dated, supposedly, when we were 13 or 14 years old, you know, because... Um, uh, we didn't date when we were 13 or 14 years old. But we did see each other and kind of started behind mom and daddy's back, sneaking in, being boyfriend, girlfriend, you know. And uh, they found out about it, but we're, here we are. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, say Keith when we were 15 years old. Say he told me, he said, Phil, I'm going to buy you a new car. I'd go, hmm, Okay. Or he said, we're 15. I'm going to buy you a new ring. Yeah. Okay. Or some new clothes. He's going to do all these things for me. I'm going to do this for you. We're going to do this. I'm going to do all these things for you. My trust in him at that point in time in our lives was not what it is today. If he told me today, if I walked up to him today and we walked in someplace and he said, I'm going to buy you that. I'd get excited because I know it's about to happen. If he says, I'm going to buy you that new house, I'd know we might as well be getting it ready and getting ready to move because I'm getting a house. If he says, I'm going to buy you a new car, they might as well get mine cleaned up because it's going to the dealership. It's a relationship that has developed between he and I over all the years that we've been married. Because I've, no, I've learned to trust him. I've learned to know that if he tells me something, it's a fact. He's going to do it. I don't have to question it. I don't have to wonder. I don't even have to wonder where he's going to get the money from. 
Because if he tells me he's going to do it like he says about the Lord, he'll come by it honest. He won't steal it from anybody's offering or anything like that. And he'll get it for me. But what happens with people is they want the blessings of God, but they don't want God. They want the nice house and they want the nice car and they want the nice jewelry and they want the nice things, but they don't want God. If they wanted God, where is half of our ushers this morning? And where is half of our uh, team leaders this morning? They'd be here. Oh, it got quiet. Oh, man, did you hear how quiet it got? But they'll be the very ones that you hear confessing they're believing for this or they're believing for that. And some things do happen. I'm not saying that all the circumstances are that way, but you understand what I'm saying. If you want the things of God, you must have a relationship with God. Faith works by love, us loving God to start with. You, it's, you know, when the faith, we first heard about faith and what we'd call the faith movement first started. There was all these questions from people about, aren't you scared people will believe God for 10 million oil wells? Did y'all ever hear things like that? Yeah. yeah. Aren't you scared people are going to believe for all these things and, and they're just going to get it? And, and there is no danger in that happening. Because faith works by love. Faith works by relationship. I have faith in Keith as a person because I have a relationship with him. I know him. I know if he tells me he's going to do something, he'll do it. It, Faith grows. Say, for instance, Dave. Dave was here the first day that we got the building and everything, and um, he knew who we were. We didn't have a clue who this flake was, you know. (laughs) Didn't have a clue who he was or what he knew or anything like that. But over the process of time, every time you'd ask him to do something, he was there. Every time you said, can you take care of this? Sure. Can you take care of that? Never heard this or my birthday or this or my this or this or that or, or my job or my kids or my... Every time. So now when I say, Dave, these things need to be done, I don't have to go behind him and check and see, are they done? You don't have to go behind the Lord and see if things are done. What your job is, is to have a strong enough relationship with him to where when you do know that he said, I'll supply all your needs according to my riches and glory, that if you have a need and you go to him and you say, Father, my light bill's due this month. How are we going to take care of that? How are we going to pay that? And he says, I'll take care of it. You forget about it. You don't worry about it all night and stay up all night and and fast and pray for three days and tell everybody else that your light bill's due. If Keith told me, I feel I'll take care of that, or Dave told me, I feel I'll take care of that, I don't think about it anymore. Because I know it's done. It's the same way with the Lord with our faith. What happens is we go to the Lord with something and and we're believing God for our light bill. And we ask him for the money to pay our light bill. 
And you have a witness in your heart that he's going to take care of it for you. I mean, he don't speak to you audibly, but you have a witness in your heart that he's going to take care of it. Then you forget about it. But that's not what happens so many times. What happens so many times is you start getting out your checkbook. And you start trying to juggle and you start trying to figure and you start trying to add. And if we don't pay this, then we can pay this. And if we don't pay... And you don't even really stay in faith long enough for God to even send out the ministering spirits to do it for you. You say the right things with your mouth, but your head and your body and your actions say something totally different. What you have to do to work faith. You want to know how to work faith? To start with is you don't start with 10 million oil wells. You start with somebody buying you lunch today. You start with somebody helping you pay your light bill or believing God to pay your light bill. And you don't go tell 12 people either. Dropping hints is not faith. People have gotten so confused by that kind of stuff that when they walk into a room anymore, they see 12 things that they like and they go on and on and on about them and the person decides they'll give it to them. That's not faith. It's almost... um, It's not even manipulation. It's almost like... um, What's the word? Somebody needs to go to jail for it. It's somebody that stole something. You know, it's... Extortion, yeah. Extortion. It's almost extortion. Because especially here at Faith Life Church, we have a church full of givers. I mean givers. And they're constantly looking for places to give. But you hurt your faith by dropping hints to people because then you are convinced it was your faith that got that for you. And it wasn't. I don't like it when people just are so adamantly come up to me and say, man, I really like those shoes. Oh, man, where'd you get those shoes? Those are the neatest shoes I ever said. Where did you get those shoes? Reckon I could get a pair of those shoes? You see what I'm saying? I mean, because we're givers. And your natural tendency is, should I give that to them? Natural tendency. But that's not faith and it hurts your faith. Your faith grows by... I remember one of the first things Keith believed for. It was the neatest thing because he and I were the only ones that knew it. He believed for um, either a Weymouth or a Wycliffe Bible. I can't remember. It was when he was in school. And uh, somebody had had quoted something out of one of those Bibles. And he said, Phil, just agree with me that we'll get one. Because we didn't have $10 to buy gas, much less go out and buy a Bible. And he, we joined hands and we believed for it. We did not tell a soul. We knew we didn't tell a soul. And somebody came up and had just a little bow around it and handed him one of those Bibles. You talk about, you talk about doing something for your faith. Now that's when your faith, you'll see it and it'll grow immediately. 
God did that for me, and I know I didn't tell anybody. Because what happens immediately when you've told somebody or you've dropped hints about it, the devil comes and says, they just gave you that. That wasn't really faith. So you don't get the faith builder on the inside of you that you would have gotten had you not have told anybody about it. And that's the way that faith grows. Don't tell anybody. Tell your spouse if you want to, but don't do it. And I mean, I don't drop hints to Keith about what I want. I mean, there's certain pieces of jewelry that I would like to have, but I love to see God work. And I know Keith knows how to hear from God. And I know how to pray, and I know how to get in faith. And I also know that it doesn't have to come through Keith. So I don't drop hints about things that I'm believing for because it's, it's bad for you. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? It is bad for you. It, it's not going to hurt the person that gave it to you other than you really should pray where you're giving your seed and don't let people's needs or, or dropping hints lead you one way or the other. But it really hurts you more than it hurts anyone else. When... This person was believing for this car. Y'all forgot about the employee? Y'all didn't forget? Good. Um, This employee was believing for this vehicle. She was wanting to jump from no faith at all to a brand new vehicle. God did give us the vehicle. But it took years. But we didn't quit. But all that time, our faith was growing and growing to where we had food to eat. We didn't starve to death. We had money to pay our light bill. We had money to make the car payment that we were making then at that time. And sometime on the tuition, it looked tough. But God brought us through each and every day. But what things caused those things to grow in your life? What causes your faith to grow in your life? That's what we want to look at for just a few minutes here. Y'all still got some time? Still plenty early. And I won't go long. To, I won't go late today in Jesus' name. <laughs> Turn with me to 2 Peter. We know that faith works by love. Now, that's a big mouthful. To say it, it's real short. Faith works by love. What's that? Four words? Faith works by love. Four little tiny words. Faith is a huge word, but love is a word that I don't think we here as humans have even begun to know all the significance of love. People think if they have a spat with their spouse that they've fallen out of love with them and they get a divorce. I don't think we have a clue what love is. How would it be if, say, for instance, Keith says, I'm going to buy you a new car. I'm going to buy you a new house. Would it make any difference if after he told me that, I went out and charged up all of our credit cards, and I went to the bank and cleaned out all of our accounts, and um, then I went out and had an affair, then I started doing drugs, Would that have any kind of an effect on him buying me that house? Is it just going to happen whether or not? 
it would have a great deal of effect on whether or not I got what he told me I was going to get based upon me continuing and growing along the same path that I've been going and that I didn't go backwards in the opposite direction. I mean, it could make a big difference if he was going to buy me something if I wouldn't spend all the money that he had to buy it with. Just that one thing. Besides going out and um, beating up somebody or robbing a liquor store, those things would have an effect on it. Well, it's that way with God. It is a relationship thing. It's not just something that we do and He says... um, Uh, God will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Given, it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Do those things have anything that goes with them pertaining to what you do? Do you think that God's just going to give you 10 million oil wells for you to uh, sell drugs and get everybody, you know, drugged out of their heads? I don't think so. It makes a difference what you do in order for your relationship with God, your love for God, to work. The fact that I love Keith and Keith loves me is a major part of him saying he wants to buy me something. It is out of that love because of what I do for him too. I mean, you can put some spiritual side effects on it, but I guarantee you, if I wasn't the helpmate to him that I was supposed to be, part of that love wouldn't be there that's supposed to be there. And so therefore, part of that desire that he has to do things for me would not be there. Well, God is a person. We try to, we try to make him into something he's not, but we are made in his image. We are like God. And I know, Les loves Angie. No question, he loves Angie. He tells Angie, I'm going to go buy you a new car. Would it matter if Angie went out and uh, left home and started having affairs and doing all this stuff? Well, it would matter. It would affect his love for her as to whether he wanted to do that for her or not. Things make a difference in your life on a daily basis as you're going through your faith things. How many of you in here right now here today are believing God for something? You call yourself being in faith. I know I am. If you're not, you should be. Because even though you don't have the money to buy a new house today, you should be believing for a better house. You know, or even though you don't have the money to buy a new car today, you should probably be believing for a new car. I mean, because sometimes it takes like us eight years. I know um, people have had trouble with doctors and banks. There's been a, in, in our circles, you know. I have an opinion about it. This is my opinion, okay? Y'all want to know my opinion? I believe people can grow to not need doctors, and I believe people can grow to not need banks. That's what I believe. I believe that most people are not at a place to where if you didn't believe God when you had that headache last week and you went and took the Tylenol, you needn't convince me that you're going to believe God that cancer is going to die in your body without any assistance. I know people don't like it, but that's what I believe. I know I've been around faith with some of the greatest faith people of our generation. 
And they are not fools. They are some of the most real people that you know. They love God. They did everything that they knew to serve God. And their faith grew. So to me it's the same way with banks. I don't think most people in here today have enough faith to believe God for someone to come up and walk up to them and and give them a $200,000 house cash. I'm stepping on some sacred cows. Listen to how quiet it is in here. Now, it's great. To me, it is the ultimate that you do. uh, You hear you have cancer today. It doesn't move you one bit. You go to the Word. You say, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. That's the highest and best way. Nobody lay hands on you. Nobody pray for you. I'm healed. This doesn't move me because Jesus took my stripes. He took stripes on his back so I could be healed. And you never have a problem with it again. That is wonderful. But most people are not there. And I don't like pretend things. I like people to be here tomorrow to learn more, to grow more, to where they can receive better and better and better as they go on. Instead of playing some pretend game that they are where they're not so they can impress people with their faith. We were at a church in New York. This has never happened to me before. It's never happened to me since. It's a pretty good-sized church up there in New York. And Keith was ministering. And something came up real strong in my heart. And um, I thought, what is it, Lord? What am I supposed to do? And, you know, sometimes people have a misunderstanding about giving things out from God. I can guarantee you, sitting right now, right here, uh, on a continuous basis, if you are a minister of any kind, you're getting things continuously. Billy getting things continuously. Ministers are getting things continuously all over the place. You're getting things in your spirit. That doesn't mean that you're supposed to hop up and give them out. Just because something gets real strong on your heart, that doesn't mean, okay, now's the time to get up and give it out. But on this particular instance, I checked my heart about it. I said, Lord, okay, what are we supposed to do? So I told Keith about it. There, the Lord told me that there was two people there in that service that night that were, cont- that were sick, cancer, both of them. And the Lord told me to call them both out. I could have pointed them out that night. I knew exactly who they were. Never met them before. It was supernatural the way the Lord did it. And so I asked them to come up. And both of them did. And I looked at the one of them. I said, you need to go to the hospital as quickly as you can get there. If you can leave the service now and get to the hospital, you need to get there now. She had refused to go to the doctor. I didn't know her at all. She had refused to go to the doctor. She had two weeks to live. She was one of the main people in that church. So she was concerned that people were going to think that she was not in faith. That she didn't have any faith because she had to go to the doctor. I got news for you. You better have some faith when you go to the doctor. You better. So she did. She went to the doctor. They told her, had she not have come that day, she'd have been dead by morning. Now tell me that's not God, that she went to the doctor and she's alive today to teach and do the things that she was doing because she used a doctor. She's alive to tell about it and she's alive to grow. Then the other lady, he said, you don't need to go to the doctor. You need to curse that thing and tell it to die. It was in her knee. She did. It did. 
We did. Now that's two total opposite ends of the spectrum. So to say every person is supposed to go to the doctor would be wrong. To say every person is not supposed to go to the doctor would be wrong. Every individual circumstance is a different scenario. And you need to look at it that way. Okay, a financial one. Y'all want to hear one? Am I boring y'all? Okay, a financial one. Keith and I have grown, like I said, in our faith where finances and stuff are concerned. I remember specifically our first airplane. We had borrowed. We had loans. We had borrowed. And the Lord dealt with us. Do not buy a di- borrow a dime for this airplane. He told us. Now, would it have been all right for me to go and borrow a dime for that airplane? It would not have been. We got ready to get this building. Supernaturally, we still hear reports about people telling us how supernatural it was that we could even get a loan on this building because they don't like to loan for theaters and several different situations, and we didn't have a congregation. So how are you going to pay for it, they want to know. The Lord dealt with us to borrow money on this building. One reason being is because it's not our building. It's your building, and you have a part in it now. It's part of your faith that's growing every time that you believe God for a seat. You're growing in faith each and every time. He could have very easily, in the beginning it was several situations going on, that we could have been in this building costing us nothing. But the Lord didn't lead us that direction. He led us to do that. Now, every situation that you go across in your life, you don't take for granted that you know what you're supposed to do. Every time you go to the doctor, you don't take for granted that, yes, it may be okay to go to the doctor today, but he says, do this. Um, I'm okay with going and I'm okay with taking this, but I'm not okay with doing this. Do you understand the difference? Don't just wholeheartedly pour your whole life into a banker. Don't just wholeheartedly pour your whole life into um, a doctor. Use your faith all along the way. Get it growing all along the way. Because everybody is growing as they go. And it's not okay for um, one person to... um, stay home and die and another person to go to the doctor and live because they are trying to use their faith's confession but have no relationship with the Lord. It's hard for a baby. It's actually sometimes easier for you to pray pray for somebody that's never heard anything about the Word than it is for people that's heard a little bit about faith because they'll put faith in your faith and you've got some legal rights there. But a lot of people, after they've grown a little bit, they have to hear from God for themselves. And they should. So every person in this place, do not go to another person and ask them, should I go borrow this? Or should I go to the doctor for this? You get with the Lord and you find out what the healing scriptures say and you study the healing scriptures and you read them and you study them and you see where you are after that. Y'all still love me. All right. So, um, okay, let's get to First Peter. I mean, Second Peter. 
We're talking about adding things to our faith that's going to make our faith grow. Second Peter 1. Let's start with verse 5. Second Peter 1, 5. And besides this, giving all diligence, do what? Add to your faith virtue. Does anybody know what virtue means? Some, some people have it written in their Bibles. Moral excellence. Does that mean that you can be in faith about something and have horrible morals like go pose for Playboy and you can still have faith? Moral excellence, that you know in your heart that you're supposed to do something and you don't do it. Moral excellence, that uh, you know that when you drive through the Burger King and they give you back a um, $20 bill when you only gave them a $20 bill for change. That's not a faith issue. That's a moral excellence issue. You must add virtue to your faith. You must add morality to your faith. You cannot be in faith for your new house and steal money from your employer. That's why that person couldn't have those 10 million oil wells. It doesn't work that way. There are things that you have to add with your faith. There's people that have had faith failure after faith failure and do not understand why. Because they have no morals whatsoever, much less moral excellence. Morals are, you don't go sleep around with Tom and Harry and everybody else that is in the neighborhood. I forget how Brother Hagen used to say it about the stray cats and dogs, you know. I won't try to get into it, but it was really cute. I'll tell you the punchline before I told you the part anyway so but anyway um moral excellence you you add to your faith morality one reason that you have to add that to your faith is not because god is some mean dictator and he says okay you can have this but you have to do this no it's because when you stand in faith for something and you don't continue in moral excellence then your conscience will eat you alive You can't go to God with any boldness and be expecting anything from Him because your conscience will eat you up. So virtue, moral excellence is something that we have to add to our faith. What's the next one? Knowledge. 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 Uh, you can look it up in the Webster's. It's something that you learn. Let's see. I've got it back here somewhere. Uh, familiarity, uh, awareness, understanding. Uh, Billy can help me. Gnosis. Knowing, is that what the Greek or something is on it? Um, It talks about you knowing what the Word says. You knowing what the Scriptures say in regard to that particular thing. Add to your faith knowing. Like I told you, Brother Hagin would would, um, get the Scriptures out on healing. If you're needing finances, what should you do? 
Get scriptures out on finances. Know what the word says about it. Know what God says about it. It's just like this. If you've had faith failures and not known why, well, maybe it's because you didn't know you had to add these things to it. Knowing these things. So add to it knowledge. Then the next one that we're going to add to it is temperance. This one's a good one. Temperance means moderation, self-restraint. Could we use that in today's society? Moderation. That you do things, you, you know, that, that to me was one of my biggest problems with eating before I lost weight. The biggest problem that I had, I'd look at Keith and I'd say, I'm just not going to eat anything. And it was easier actually for me not to eat anything than it was for me to eat a little bit. I could, I could fast easier than I could get a plate in front of me and eat a little bit of it. No moderation, no temperance. Or, when we first got married, I know you can't imagine this, and I know you can't believe it, but when we first got married, I used to talk way too much. <laughs> now, y'all are laughing at me. And so I'd get mad at myself because I'd leave someplace where we'd be around people and I'd say something that I didn't want to say and I'd go away and I'd be frustrated and I'd be irritated because I'd think, I'd just kick myself. Why did you say that? That was really none of their business. Why did you open your mouth like that? So I'd tell Keith, I'm just not going to say anything anymore. I'm just not going to talk. If I don't talk, then I can't get in trouble. (laughs) Nobody's ever done that said something when you were around people and have to go back later and repent for it. Temperance. Being able to know what to say, when to say it, how to say it. Being able to eat a piece of pie with never saying you're never the rest of your life going to be able to eat a piece of pie. Temperance. Where are we adding this to? To faith. We're adding temperance to our faith in order to get our faith to work. We are working faith. We're adding to it moral excellence. We're adding to it knowledge about the Word, knowledge about the things that we need to stand for. We're adding to it temperance. We're adding to it that we're not gluttons and we're not um, drunkards and we're not, you know, today's society... It's sad, but there is no temperance in anything. You've got people on one end of the scale or the other, people that's going on diets and are starving themselves to death. No temperance. You've got people on the other end of the spectrum that go through the buffet line and eat everything that's in front of them. No temperance. But we have to add temperance to our faith in order to get our faith to work. Now, these are not punishing things. You understand? These are us growing and getting answers to why things have not come to pass in our lives. These are things why it took eight years for us to get a car that we were believing for. Because we didn't have these things operating in our lives. Temperance issue... That I could work on right now. You think, 
Temperance issue I could work on right now. Not working so much. Not working 24-7. It's a temperance issue. People would call it a workaholic. Over this last week, Dave and I have done enough work for 12 people over this last week. Temperance. We're just going to say, I'll deal with it. I'm going out on my boat for a little while. Temperance. Every person in here, and if you're not dealing with something in your life, then you're being dishonest with yourself. And God, your faith works where you are. And the more you grow, the more you should be seeing things in your life that you should be applying in your life. And as you apply it in your life, then you're able to believe for more and more. It's all connected. And it would be dumb of me to stand here and say I'm believing for this and not even put it to practice in my life. Temperance. Not doing so much. How many of you think, can think of something right now? You don't have to name it. Some of you still are not raising your hands. Sad. Um, the next one is a good one. Patience. Patience. Now, I have no trouble with patience. You know with my personality, I have no trouble with that. I tell you, I don't know what it is, but it seems as though in the past, I will not make this confession over my future, I have gotten behind the slowest drivers in the whole world. (laughs) Patience. And I think... I really do. I think the Lord has a hand in it sometimes because it's like, slow down, Phil. You're revving a little too high. Slow down. I mean, I've gotten stopped so many times. God's been so merciful to me. I was going 95 one time, and they said, you better slow down, sweetheart, and that was it. Um, In a 55. Yes, God's so good to me. Patience. Patience. Patience is when... um, Well, I'll read you the definition that it says. um, Endure hardship, difficulty, inconvenience without complaint. Calmness, self-control. But who, um, no, Billy, how do you say that? H-U-P-O-M-O-N-E. Yeah, hoopamone. Yeah, that's the word it is. Anyway, it means hoopamone. It's a good word. Let's see, I just lost it here. It means cheerful endurance. Uh oh. Uh oh. Cheerful endurance. It doesn't just mean that I have to endure as I'm following that car. It means I have to be glad while I'm following that car. And I can't lose my smile. I have to be really glad while I'm being patient about it. It means that when you go to the checkout line, you have to be patient. But you only not only have to be patient, but you have to be glad about it. Glory is right. I'm working on it. Yeah, patience. But you know, my faith will only go as far as my patience will go. Keith used to teach a sermon about patience 
Faith is like a bridge that's crossing over to the island. And patience is like the undergirding of that bridge, like the what columns or whatever they put underneath it. And you only have as much faith as you do patience. Because if you quit believing for something, your faith is gone. Patience was eight years waiting for a car. Patience is happy that that lady stepped in front of you in the checkout line. Or that at the drive-thru they ordered everything on the menu and corrected it four times. Patience is when you order something and you get totally the opposite thing that you ordered. But you're patient while they go change it. And you don't get upset. You're cheerful about it. And you smile and you're happy about it. Didn't you say patience? It said cheerfully being patient. So um, if you if you don't have patience, you don't have what? I keep trying to turn this page and get done with it, but I'm not done with it. Um, then the next one is godliness. Godliness. That just means having piety, great respect, honor for God. Godliness is, to me, putting God first. Nothing else comes before it. I don't know about with you and in your life, but when God asks me to do something, it's never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever the convenient time for me to do it. But I put Him first. So His things come first. Godliness is caring whether you're at church on Sunday or caring whether you read your scriptures every day, your chapter every day. As Keith says, people that are godly pray. People that are godly read their Bibles. People that are godly go to church. Godliness. Those things don't just happen. That's um, another reason why that person wouldn't get those 10 million oil wells. Then number six. Brotherly kindness. All of these, if you'll notice, have to do with Galatians 5, 6. Faith works by love. If you're patient with somebody, you don't chew them out when you're riding behind them. You believe for them in front of you. Maybe they are sick or maybe they're having a problem. I always think something's wrong with them, you know, so um, that helps me to cheerfully endure it. Um, y'all laugh. Y'all just go right on ahead and laugh. But every one of these things have to do your temperance with people. Your temperance with a waiter and a waitress in a restaurant. That they've got it wrong 26 times. It goes right into this brotherly kindness. They all just mix together and goes right into your love. What's more important? You eating the right piece of meat and it's cooked exactly the way you want it or that soul or that person that's ministering to you that food. I don't know. I can't tell you the hundreds of times. I was going to say thousands. It seems like thousands. But hundreds of times we have been brought the complete wrong meal to eat. And we just say thank you. And they never know it. 
Because they're more important than that meal is important. And if you can minister something to them and love on them, it's way more important than you having the exact tenderness of meat. I don't care if it costs you $500. That soul is more important than that money. And it's not okay for you to get ill with them. Brotherly kindness is you walking in love with your brother. You, you're thinking how they would want, you would want them to treat you in that situation. We were just at a restaurant not long ago. I kid you not, it was the saddest thing I believe I have seen in a very long time. There was this man there. There was this young girl, and she was waiting, and she was waiting on everybody. She was having to wait on everybody. And there was this couple there. I don't know. Maybe they'd had too much to drink. I don't know what their situation was. But um, they got up and left without paying their bill. And she yelled at them because, I don't know, in some restaurants, don't the waitresses or waiters have to pay the bills if, so, if the person doesn't pay it? And uh, she yelled at the people for them to come back to pay their bill. And I mean you could hear the people for a half a mile just foul language chewing on her. I told you to bring me my bill an hour ago and you never got around to me. And just, I mean, just every foul thing that you could say. The poor little girl was devastated. She was absolutely devastated. She was crying. I got up from the table and she walked away and I, and I went after her and she just threw her head on my shoulders and started crying and sobbing her eyes out. You know, I mean, this is just a job. I mean, why should she be treated that way? It wasn't okay. I mean, I was about ready to pay their bill to keep that stuff from going on. It was a bad deal. I mean, it took half the night for... There was another couple with us, and it took half the night for the two of us to get the little girl settled down. I mean, she was probably 18 years old, 20 years old. I mean, she was so upset she could hardly breathe. (laughs) You know? I mean, to be chewed out in front of a whole restaurant full of people. I mean, that's not brotherly kindness. And it's not godliness. And it's not temperance and it's not patience. And we at Faith Life Church don't do it. Because we are a witness for God. Not only does it hurt our faith, but we care more about them than we do our faith or we do anything else. We care more about that person and walking in love with them. So brotherly kindness would only do to its brother what it would have its brother do unto them. Now, if your faith's not working, you might want to do a checklist on some of this stuff. If you've had some faith failures. You might want to do a checkup. Brotherly kindness does not go... I don't go to Kim and I say, Kim, do you know what Denise did? Oh, that scoundrel. Do you know what she did? That is the sorriest thing I have ever seen in my life. Why would she do something like that? That's just sorry. Then Kim don't go to her mom and say, Mama, do you know what she did? Do you know what Denise did? I heard it was true. That's not brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness is only saying about someone. Just the other night, I'll give you another example. We were at dinner with somebody. And um, they knew Dino and them came to the church. And um, they started telling me some stuff. And, and I said, uh, you know what? They're good friends of ours. I mean, I cut them off like a faucet. It's not okay to let people do that with you. 
And if people start it with you, you cut them off like a faucet. You do not let them. You don't say anything about anyone that you wouldn't say with them standing right there behind you or thinking that they could walk up right behind you. That's brotherly kindness. That's love. That's what makes your faith work. Because the devil will be there to condemn you and you needn't kid yourself. If they're talking about them to you like that, they're talking about you to them like that. And it works that way. Brotherly kindness is thinking the be- Love always thinks the best of other people. And love will cover a multitude of sins. Doesn't matter how bad they've messed up. You're going to cover it for them. You're going to say, they're getting better all the time. They're doing better all the time. That's brotherly kindness. That's godly love. We here at Faith Life Church, I said it one time, and it was the funniest thing because I met somebody soon after. I said, I'd rather see somebody smoking than somebody gossiping. I would. I'd much rather see somebody smoking all the time than somebody gossiping. And you know you have more gossipers in the church than you do smokers in the church? I'd much rather see it. We walked up to a a pier one time, and there was a guy sitting there smoking, and he said, I'm sure glad you said that because I smoke. I said, well, God can help you get through with it if you want to be delivered of it. I think it's a worse sin to talk about somebody because that's not love. So um, that's what I think about it. The next one is love, charity, love. What's the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Does it make you feel good when you hear somebody talking bad about you? Does it make you feel good when somebody talks about the way you look or the way you dress or the way you talk or any of those things? You can say it jokingly. You can say it in jest, but it's still talking about somebody. Love is one of the most valuable things to me that God has given us, even more than faith. Because love, if somebody sees your love, you can change their life. Keith and I have, I, it's rare for us to ever preach to anyone when we see them. Rare. Rare. We don't, I've hired people that have been drug addicts and, and uh, uh, exotic dancers and I've hired people that have been every realm of the spectrum. I never once preached to them. I loved on them. I paid their bills. I fed them. I took them to my house. Gave them a place to stay. Love. You don't leave a track on a table in a restaurant as a tip. You know, they've got those things that look like dollar bills or something like that. And it's just rude. It's just plain out rude. God, I almost think, wants to strike people down when they do something as stupid as that. It's a bad witness for him. It's not love for that person. That person is standing there. You try it. Standing there on their feet, listening to people chew them out all day long. And you're going to love them by leaving them a track telling them how much God loves them instead of a tip. Don't work. 
Your actions are speaking so much louder than your words. Love cares about that person. Love cares as to whether they're hurting or not. Cry with those that cry. Weep with those that weep. Love comes from... If you don't have a right relationship with the Lord and um, say you're going through things yourself, it's real difficult to give out that love to other people. But nothing will turn you around like putting yourself out and giving yourself to other people. I mean, love will override what you feel in your heart and what you're going through and the test and trials that you're going through and minister to that other person. And they'll never know what you're going through because you love them. Just last weekend, I was dealing with somebody and they were telling me all these things wrong with their life and and, uh, I spent half a day dealing with it and uh, just messed up. Just, you know, um, addicted to prescription drugs, lying, stealing, overcharging, just all kind of stuff. But love cares about that person. And love takes the time, no matter how busy you are or what else you've got going, to love on that person. It doesn't matter. It's never convenient. It's never a good time. And if you're too busy to love on another person, then God could real easily be too busy that your faith is working. These are things that you are to add to your faith. There's people in here today, I know, been struggling with their bills, been struggling in their marriages, been struggling with their kids, been struggling with their jobs, been struggling with different things in their life. And they think that they can just say the right words out of their mouth and everything's going to be okay. It doesn't work that way. It comes through relationship. And when you have the right relationship with God, these things will be evident in your life. And like I said, don't kid yourself to think that you have got it all done and you're perfect in any one of these areas. Because I I could stand here and on each one of these name you something that's active in my life right now that I will take care of. And if, if there's one thing I believe that God hates is falseness, fakeness. Because it leaves a wrong impression to other people. They don't understand if you are going to Faith Life Church and you can't pay your light bill, why not? But you have the time to chew somebody out at a restaurant. It's not okay. So we're going to add what things to our faith? We're going to add to our faith virtue and knowledge and temperance. And patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. Listen to it in the New Living. Second Peter. Um, let's start with one one, Jill. Second Peter one one. I'm writing to all of you who share the same precious faith. We have Faith given to us by Jesus Christ, our God and Savior, who makes us right with God. May God bless you with his special favor and wonderful peace as you come to know Jesus, our God and our Lord, better and better. Now, this is the part that I want you to get. Look at it real carefully. Look up at the wall if you don't have a uh, new living. 
As we know Jesus better, His divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. He has called us to receive His own glory and goodness. And by that same mighty power, He has given us all of His rich and wonderful promises. He has promised that you will escape the decadence all around you caused by evil desires and that you will share in His divine nature. So make every effort to apply these benefits, the benefits of these promises to your life. Then your faith will produce a life of moral excellence. A life of moral excellence leads to knowing God better. Knowing God leads to self-control. Self-control leads to patient endurance. Patient endurance leads to godliness. Godliness leads to love for other Christians. And finally, you will grow to have genuine love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more you will become productive and useful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But, but, don't stop there. Those who fail to develop these virtues are blind or at least very short-sighted. They have already forgotten that God has cleansed them from cleansed them from their old life of sin. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Now, listen to this next part. Doing this, you will never stumble or fall away. And God will open wide the gates of heaven for you to enter into the eternal kingdom. Of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there's how you never stumble. And you never fall. And your faith works. By the way, that person did. That employee, y'all forgot about him again. That employee did get another vehicle. And it was the easiest thing to pay for, I think, that they ever did. They were led. They paid payments on it. Then their faith grew. Now they probably believe one with no payments. But it grows. So stand up with me. Thank you, Lord. Did you learn anything today? You learned that I had to get some patience and temperance in some areas. This is not a a put-down message. This is a message that can give you answers to uh, overcome some areas in your life. This is a message that can help you to stand when others around you are falling. Because you know immediately what the situation is. So let's stand, raise our voices and our hands and thank God for revelation and wisdom. Lord, we do thank you for revelation and wisdom. And we know if we've had a faith failure, it's not on your part. It's on our part, Lord. And we stir up ourselves, Father, to purpose our faith. To do what you've called us to do, Father. To use our faith for different things other than just for ourselves, Father. To use our faith to help to minister to others and reach the gospel. Spread this gospel around the world so that you can come. Because time is short, Father. And I just thank you for each and every person that's gained knowledge today from your word. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.